Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. I'm Eamon Clark, and it's the first time we're on the podcast. My guest this time is Graham Cannon. Graham, welcome to the book club. Thank you for having me, Eamon. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you. It's been a while. It took a while for us to sort this out, and we were hoping to record it at Thought Bubble, but unfortunately, you weren't able to attend. I think at the last moment. Yeah, it was quite a sudden shock to me as well. Oh dear, life got in the way. But that happens. So, as a first timer, of course, you know what comes first, which is 2000 AD origin stories. Uh, tell us how you got started with the prog. Well. It's, I guess my first sort of any connection with would be the original Judge Dredd film in the 90s. Oh, right, yeah. That I just watched because it was an action film from that era when I was young. Okay. And then I don't, I think it was more the trailer for the second Dread film got my interest again in the character. And as I was sort of looking into it, I found Trasny Deep. And as I began to collect in. Around that period, about 2012, was it? When the first two years was Yes, it was. So that's Dread 2012, okay. Because that's an interesting time to come on board the prog. We'll get to that in a moment. Yes, uh, I will talk about my first prog in that sense, yes. Right, because that's going to be... Is it going to be one of the ones we're talking about this evening? (laughs) No, it's just before then. If I say it's, uh, it's basically the last chapter of Day of Chaos... Oh, right, okay. So coming on that as my first Dread story, it's like, oh, something seems to have happened. <laughs> yeah, something huge has just happened, yeah. And then I collected the case files and kept caught up for Dread there and then read, I've collected some old progs and read them as well. Excellent. So you've gone back to the old stuff, you're building up the case files and carried on reading it since 2012? Yeah, pretty much. I've had a subscription after like my first year of just getting it at the news agents and never stopped really. I've still enjoyed it. Excellent stuff. The movie's doing what we hoped they would do, bringing on board the new readers. So it's 2012. Uh, you've been to see the Dread um, in 3D. Did you catch one of the 3D showings or an ordinary showing? To be honest, it's been so long. I can't remember if it was in 3D or not anymore. Right. It probably was, because I feel it was harder to find it, not in 3D. Yeah, I think I saw, ended up seeing both, because I saw it a, f- a number of times, but I certainly did see it in 3D. Okay, so tell us, it, we're in 2012, what is the book you've chosen for the book club this month? It is uh, my, I guess, would you call it an epic? Yeah, I think so. It's an epic with a, with a twist, with a difference, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so it's my first epic I read as it was coming out, basically. So it's trifecta, the crossover between Judge Dredd, um, Simpin Detective, and The Low Life. Excellent stuff. So let's do version control. I think we've both got, if I'm, I'm right in saying, the 2013 hardback, the one that had the holographic yes, cover. I, I got mine from Forbidden Planet, which came with the signatures. Oh, right. Who's it signed by? Uh, when the Forbidden Planet version, I think, had the writers and... Disraeli, and I think Simon Colby. Oh, lovely. But I'm not 100% sure. So it's let's do Credit Corner. It's a 2013 hardback. As you say, script droids, Al Ewan, Rob Williams, and Cy Spurrier. 
Art Droids, Henry Flint, Disraeli, Simon Colby, and then Carl Critchlow. Letter by Annie Parkhouse, Simon Boland, and Ellie Deville, all the great uh, current um, 2008 letterers. There's some colours in there by Chris Blythe, which I guess is on the Henry Flint stuff. Yes. Uh, so uh, Henry Flint did the cover of both the 3D covers. He did both versions of that. Right. And then it was all, of course, edited by Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. It was Progs 1803 to 1813. So although it's only 10 sort of or 11 Progs, well, no, where am I now? 14 Progs. 14 Progs, but that's three stories, uh, which we'll talk about. And this was October to December 2012. Uh, so just prime to catch that post, uh, post-movie yeah. audience. And it's odd to think that this is seven years on already for this story, but... Uh, oh, no. I know. <laughs> so, first of all, tell us, Graham, why have you picked Trifecta for your uh, first outing on the book club? Because it sort of caught me off guard when I was reading it at the time. Like, it was part of my ritual in the mornings. I'd go to, like, the city centre, grab my prog and go to the cafe, have a drink and read my progs. And when you get to that page, you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. So before you bring us to that page, I probably should uh, give a spoiler warning, mm, which, is, which is that Trifecta does include one of the uh, probably that possibly the second greatest twist in uh, 2000 AD history, which it pulled off uh, remarkably, even in the age of the Internet. Mm, uh, yes, like there was no like build up for this. It seemed like they had the normal thrills of the future, but that was about it. Yeah. So we'll get to it in a moment. I mean, you've sort of hinted at it, but um, just to anybody who hasn't read Trifecta, if you want to be unspoiled, stop this podcast now, go and read it, and then come back to us. We'll wait. So there it is, due warning. So, Graham, fill us in. Tell us about the multiple plots, or at least the outline, of what's going on within the pages of this hardcover. Well, the first story is just Bullet to King, which seemed like just a one-shot at the time when it came out, which is yep. Dread talking with... Uh, what's his name again? So he is talking to the clone of War Marshal Kazan, isn't mm-hmm. he? I don't know if he gets a name more than that, or just the, you know, the clone of Kazan. But yes, so Dread has this opening episode where they have a weird sort of uh, discussion based around chess. And as you say, it's called Bullet to King 4, based on uh, Dread's somewhat um interesting uh, way of tackling chess problems anyway and it introduces to another mystery character at the end yes uh it is somebody is talking to dread on his headset uh somebody quoting some um is it a they might be giant song yes uh, um i'm a little glowing i'm your only friend but not a little glowing friend something like that so that sets us up and then what happens after that? We have our three stories starting with the simping detective in Joker's to the right. Yeah. And we have the low life Sunday. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. So dad, so daddy, so daddy. It's a Portuguese word, I believe, isn't it? Uh, it does get explained later on in the, in the book as to what it actually means. But yes, yeah, so we've got three stories. We've got low life with Dirty Frank doing this Sodaid story, uh, the simping detective jokers to the right, and then there's a dread story which was called The Cold Deck. Okay. 
cool. So we got three stories running. Tell us a bit more about what happened next that surprised everybody. So we open with our simple detective as we're introduced to Jack Point, and it's, so I suppose, normal play with words. And he gets to meet his informant, who is a fatty, who suddenly seems to go footsie on him, or a bit crazy, until his pet alien has to protect him. And then it's revealed that she herself is an undercover judge. And then we have a shadowy figure watching on. We do indeed, yes. And then, of course, we lurch from that story to Dirty Frank on the Moon. Ah, yes. Uh, there's, a, there's a jump for us. Again, introduced to a character we've not met before, with the duck, is it ducks or geese on the wall? So there's the flying ducks on the wall, yep. Where Frank believes he is back. It, who, is this, who is this block of reference to? Peter Lee's? To, well, Peter's and Lee. That's, um, that was a musical singing group, Okay, I think. From the 70s, yeah. So, yeah, Frank is, Frank is having a dream that he's back in the low life after his, is it Hondo City or...? Yes, he's back from Hondo City. And then is rudely awakened by a glass and wear judge. And much like ourselves following Frank, we find out we are on the moon. Yeah, Frank is on the moon and he is rather puzzled by it all because he seems to be part of a huge sort of business corporation led by the uh, the dreadful... Um... Yes, this is where some of my favourite lines come just as they talk about money and how much they've consumed. So this is Overdrive Incorporated, led by Mr Overdrive himself. Tell us about Mr Overdrive. So Mr Overdrive is a businessman starting his own company with the catchphrase, don't be a shark, be a great white shark. And then which evolves into don't be a great white shark, be a great, great white shark. And then finally evolves into him genetically splicing himself with a great white shark, which is quite charming and entertaining in that Rob Williams way. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's very 2000 AD, it's very Rob Williams, it's very low life. We've got this human who's now sort of sort of like spliced himself with great, great shark uh, genes. So he has a shark's head but bulging out of a business suit uh, he's on the moon, he's in the boardroom with uh, Overdrive Incorporated. Dirty Frank somehow seems to be part of this setup. Deep undercover, as you'd say. Yes, because he has no idea. Dirty Frank has got no idea what's going on. Yeah, so it was interesting. Let's just uh, pause a moment. Where you read, so this is, you were reading the prog for the first time then. You'd picked up at the end of Day of Chaos and then you're going into this. Yes. And, I mean, I don't know, do you go on the forums? Do you remember there being a bit... Con- no, I wasn't, like, that into it. Yeah, I wasn't on the forums, and I didn't really have anyone else to talk, so I was just literally myself with the comics, just sort of enjoying it as it was happening. Right, because I know that, you know, these two strips, they're both black and white, although there is the odd splash of colour in the uh, Simpin Detective stories, mm. but um, there were two black and white sort of low-life Mega City One strips running at the same time in the prog. And I do remember from the forums there was some confusion and people were saying, why are they having two at the same time? You know, we don't need mm. a Jack Point and a low life story or a Simpin Detective and a low life story. In hindsight, now as I'm getting a bit closer, I can see that a lot. But of course, it, you know, it builds up for what was coming because we have to then turn to the dread story, the cold deck. Tell us a bit about that. That opens with a simple, uh, yeah, it opens with Dread just coming to a post scene after a card game's obviously gone 
bad as we get explained what a cold deck is. It's a rigged deck that's shuffled with the current deck, which is plays on the whole theme of what's happening in the story itself. And then we get we find out about an undercover judge who's been left in the camp pits to dissolve, which is then of the trigger getting Dredd involved in the story. Yes, so Dredd's investigating a story. We know from the opener, Bullet to King 4, that Chief Judge Hershey has rearranged things in her sort of um, organisational structure, and this has brought Judge Backman, a judge that Dredd has clashed with on a few occasions, and Backman is in in charge of the Black Ops division now, or undercover divisions, undercover operations for um, the Hall of Justice. And it would appear that Backman has got a psychic judge who is sort of spying on Dredd and what Dredd's up to. More spying on the people around him, because I think she says his mind's like a steel trap. Exactly, because Dredd's got this, inf- you know, this famous zero psi rating. People can't read him, so they have to. She she has to sort of read the people around Dredd and keep Backman informed. And then, as it's presented here in the book, we sort of like we dip around. So mm. We have a bit of simping detective, and then an episode of uh, low life, and then back to the cold deck story. And they've organised it quite neatly in a way because, you know, lots of, um, as we go on, I think we start to notice features Mm. crossing over, don't we? It is a book that um, encourages rereading the first time just to catch all the little details in each story that connect to the same story that's happening at that time. It seems kind of like a lot of trouble to, like, you know, keep up to date with all the writers, like, well, what's coming out in your prog this week? Okay, then I'll put reference here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us about let's let's give the big reveal, which I think happened in Prague 1807, which I seem to remember had that Clint Langley Hammerstein in profile. Yes. I remember having trouble getting hold of that issue when that came out. I think a lot of people snapped that one up because it, something big happened. Tell us what the big thing was and how it you know how it happened. Well. You're reading your Judge Dredd story as you do because it's the first prog always in 2000 AD. And Dredd's, you know, Dredd's got Rothman from the pit. Yep. Who's one of Dredd's best allies in terms of spying. Yep, Rothman's recovering in hospital from some terrible injuries and he, but he's still uh, Dredd's eyes and ears in terms of monitoring the city and what's left of the cameras and the microphones and so on. So he's... Uh, He's guiding Dredd to um, what appears... Find a judge killer. Yes, to a judge killer, and he's got him to an apartment uh, in one of the city blocks. And then, of course... He kicks down the door, and what do we see on the next page? Because I believe it was on a page turning the progs. It was, exactly, yes. A judge kicking down the door at Jack Point. And because we don't see his badge for a moment, it, we got a bit of caught back. I went, hang on. This is where I was flicking back and forth to try and realise what I'm seeing. Judge Dredd has now entered the Simple Detective story. So this was the amazing moment. This is the moment that made us all sit up and pay attention. Because as you say, we've got Prog 1807. We've got the Dredd story continuing. He's waiting outside a room. He's got Rothman speaking in his ear. Uh, Backman or Backman and her psychic are still monitoring Rothman and sort of finding out what Dredd's doing through that. 
through him. And then suddenly, literally, Dredd kicks his way out of one story through a door and kicks his way straight the way into the Simpin Detective story. And there he is, interrupting Jack Point, doing some sort of deal with a, a miscreant. Uh, and we realise that the first two stories are connected, mm. and that there's some information has been, would you believe, of course, beamed to the moon. Um, and in the next very next story we find out of course that it's gone to uh the lunar city that frank is on i believe it's called lunacy 2 lunacy 2 yes uh and it is of course marvelous so you know we realize this is when we realized that the three stories were interconnected and that you know bringing them back uh in can the you way. say i so how beautiful the reveal of lunar city 2 is from disraeli absolutely yes and we will we will gush over his art and all the other art in a moment, yeah. So this was the marvellous moment where we realised that these three strips, which apparently were running three different stories, were actually mm. all running aspects of the same story. Um, so let's go back for a moment to the writers, Ewan, Spurrier and Williams. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this story about... I think it was at the New York Comic Convention that they met up in the pub. I believe that's what they've said, yes, because I think I've talked to them each individually about this story in the past. Right. Oh, that's interesting. And did they confirm the story? I think they, they definitely mentioned the drinking part. Yeah. And then actually think trying to make it work. I mean, I remember speaking about it to Cy Spurrier at a Thought Bubble convention a few years ago. And he confirmed then, he said, yeah, we met up in the pub, we were drinking, we came up with this idea of, of putting the three stories together and doing it as a surprise, and then we got drunk, or even drunker, and he said we woke up the next morning and like we couldn't believe we'd come up with it, and we were all ringing each other up to say, did we really come up with that idea while we were drunk? And then I believe they got hold of Farg. Yes. Sold it to him, and he agreed... And yeah, and this marvellous crossover within the pages of an anthology comic uh, happens in late 2012. I mean, just astonishing. It caught us all by surprise. And we sort of thought that we, you know, they wouldn't be able to surprise us again after, no. say, The Dead Man. Mm. But they did. They pulled it off. I do think that, you know, I mentioned this when I did the the Dead Man episode with Mark Sexton, that, you know, Thargs have to have complicated uh, flowcharts on their walls, some mm. sort of scheduling. You know, when's this gonna story going to start? When's this story going to start? We've got to get them all together. We've got to get the artwork ready so that it can all happen in 1807. That was one of the prog ones I did collect was Dead Man to the End of Necropolis because it's one of my favourite Dread stories. Of course, yes. Uh, you know, how brilliantly it was done then. And would you believe it... <laughs> 20, 22 years later or something like that, 21, 22 years later, they managed to pull off something very similar where, you know, without us realising that the three stories were connected. So the writing and, the, you know, the ingenuity of the artists coming up with this idea, I mean, you know, we love that story of them being slightly drunk in a bar in New York and then waking up the next morning and saying, Did, what, will, what will we be talking about? Is that really a good idea? <laughs> Um, can we pitch that to Tharg? And of course they pitched it and it, they, you know, Tharg said yes. And so it happens. So tell us a bit more about the story and the writing, first of all, and about and particularly the way that the stories continue then to cross over. 
Yeah, so we get from Jack Point getting interrupted during his own illegal activities by Dread, tries to make his escape, and we haven't mentioned that Jack Point is also a simp. Yes, he is, of course. And so who does he go to join to get out? The Church of Sympology, of course. Of course, yes, he would. And then, as you said, we then jump to uh, Dirty Frank, who is in the midst of maybe being caught by Overdrive after yep. the assassination of the real undercover judge. Yep, so things aren't looking very good for Dirty Frank on Lunar City 2. As we said, then there's the reveal of Lunar City 2, the beautiful Disraeli art, and uh, what is it all about for Overdrive? Profits. Everything is about profits. Meanwhile, Dirty Frank is seemingly sort of like stumbling and bumbling his way through the story as ever. As, as only Dirty Frank can. As any Dirty Frank can, yes, but only and Dirty Frank sort of voiceover, sort of narration is, you know, as ever in Rob Williams' writing, it's perfect. And of course, we get the introduction of what would become a regular sort of recurring character for. I Rob believe Williams. in the he's a bit of a Marmite character to a lot. Some of the fans, like some do still, some love him, some don't. We're talking about Sensitive Clegg, I yes. guess. Sensitive yes, Sensitive Clegg, who I do enjoy. Yes, this, I think, is probably the first appearance of Sensitive Clegg. So that's great stuff. And, you know, Dirty Frank's first encounter with him. He promotes him, doesn't he? He does. He, I don't know what he makes him. He says, you know, by the order invested in me by Overdrive, you are now Rear Admiral Clegg or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, it's great stuff. And then trying to get Sensitive Clegg to act against his nature and eat some of the conspirators... To cover a vegetarian Clegg. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then him, to, there's this mar- memorable moment of Dirty Frank running down the corridor shouting, it's a dead end, you stupid fey, upright man crocodile. <laughs> uh, and we get one of many cliffhanger moments for mm. Dirty Frank in space. I remember, um, I think I used to follow Disraeli's blog and he talked about all the aliens on this page. Yes, I know this is interesting because we're in we're still in the sort of low life story that's in the middle of the book, and there is a page where um, Dirty Frank sort of gets into part of the Lunar City and gets into a room and then suddenly finds he's been menaced by a variety of alien creatures from uh, the sort of history of two thousand mm. AD and and Judge Dredd and some of the weird creatures that Dredd has. Uh, encountered both on world and off world um it's a lovely page isn't it mm. that's disraeli they mostly are all lovely yes indeed we see uh, that looks like murd the oppressor the necromancer mm. there's another clegg there's something that looks like uh, he must be closely related to trapper hag yeah i was about to say it looks like a bit like trapper hag there's the weird sort of uh, alien eyes on it, antenna mm. creatures, which I think are from the um, the Judge Child, possibly. Mm, I'll have to have a look through that again, then, because I can't quite remember. Yeah, I think, I mean, as you say, Disraeli's blog did fill us in on who all these characters were. Uh, some of them are from very early Dread epics. Um, and it, I, one of the things I did like about Trifecta was that, as well as introducing new characters like Sensitive Clegg, it also had few moments uh, harking back to older stories. So you get that panel from Disraeli. Um, we also get in the Cold Deck story that, um, again, Dredd is, has tracked down 
the guy who was doing the uh, buyer the, wasn't he yeah the buyer for the deal in the jack point thing he's tracked him down he's interrogating him in the street and then one of backman's sort of uh, secret ninja operatives takes this guy out with a nightmare gun so yes uh, i remember the cover for this issue it was very good was it by? It's in the back of the book here, isn't yeah. it? It's the cover where Dread is. Eggman of... Bagwell R. Yeah. The late great. Yes, probably one of the last things that Edmund Bagwell did for the prog, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's the sort of Clegg emerging from a Dread, uh, from Dread's face. That cover, was, uh, which was I can't remember 1808. If this was voted for the best cover of the year. I think it was pretty close. It was probably up there in Pete Wells' uh, poll mm. that he runs every time. Okay, so we've got the marvellous talent of these three writers. They're putting together uh, this story, which crosses over into each other, so that bits that happen in one story have significance in others. Uh, you know, Dreads found the body of the undercover drudge, uh, judge. That was the fatty that Jack Point had disposed of after uh, a meeting in early episodes. We've got this data chip that was being transported in a um, sort of clown figure, action figure. Yeah, which is what Jack Point was trying to sell. He's beamed up this list of undercover operatives of, you know, the Wally Squad judges to the moon. However, do I found the found the actual undercover operative indeed yes and it's all leading up to a giant reveal another giant reveal about what the actual plot is that's Mm. going on in the three stories just fill us in tell us briefly what the plan was i believe it's um i believe it's through god isn't it like backman has a cult a religious cult in justice department to create a higher society for truly good that's right, yes. She worships the God City. Uh, she thinks the old ways of Mega City 1 are done for, and she's basically out to replace it with a new city, uh, literally replace it, because Lunar City, and again, in a memorable moment from Disraeli... A reference to Alien, I believe, that was in there. Oh, right. Uh, when you see the worker ship landing. That's one of the ships, is it an a-, a ship from Alien? Yeah, yeah, I believe this is a reference to is it the Nostromo? The Nostromo. Nostromo, that's it. Yeah, I believe this is sort of a reference to that to the landing ship they had on it. Oh right, okay, I hadn't spotted that one. Yeah, there is this marvelous moment, as I say, where Dirty Fank discovers that the Lunar City is actually taking off and is blasting off to go and literally become the replacement for Mega City One. Rather Just bizarrely. another great cover for Trasnivy that year. Yes, it was another. That was a Disraeli cover. Mm. Okay, so before we get to the sort of wrapping up of this uh, mega epic, let's talk. You mentioned the artists a few times because you've got some great artists in here. We've mm. got Henry Flint, coloured by Chris Blythe on Dread, um, and he's you know it's at his Flint's finest. We've got Simon Colby drawing. Jack Point, the simping detective, um, this lovely sort of uh, grayscale with occasional splashes of colour of this he's sort of... He's still doing great work now on... Is it Atelier? Uh, Jaeger, he does. That's it, Jaeger, sorry. So, yeah, he does great work on the moment on Jaeger. And then, of course, as you say, Matt uh, Disraeli-Brooker, drawing low life, drawing Dirty Frank, 
draw in sensitive Clegg, uh, Frank in a sharp suit and not knowing why he's in a sharp suit, Frank on the moon, Frank in space, Frank with a whole bunch of old 2080 aliens. Uh, it's all great stuff. Which, and which he does references to Carlos Apocalypse World by how he would do flashbacks with no Indeed. filled in blacks. Yes, because Dirty Frank is keep having flashbacks to a certain judge who's wearing glasses and who likes a cup of tea and a biscuit, who becomes a sort of regular sort of figure cropping up in the background of this story. Mm. And then, of course, right at the end of the book, we have what I guess was Prog 1813, which it had the Second cover... the last Prog of the year? Yeah, I guess so, where it says... Um, I believe the cover had something like every side... Every story is three sides. Mm. Yeah, it has that beautiful Cliff Robertson cover with, like, the right parts of each of their face to recognise, like, the chin of Dread, the nose of Point, and the eye of Dirty Frank. Indeed, and for that whole prog, it was devoted to the, you know, the mm. the wrap-up story or the final episode, the finale of Trifecta. The fourth or third time Trifecta's ever done one story? Uh, something like that, yes. They've done um, a Judge Dread one for the year, because it's all to wrap up the final part of the Judge Child. Right, okay. And then there was a Slain one, I believe. So these are the only times that Tharg's given over the whole prog mm. to one story. It's a, and it's a rarity. It truly is. And here done for the final part of Trifecta. And of course here what happens is we've got Carl Critchlow taking over the artwork for the final episode. I presume that... Is he know, colouring it as well? Uh, yes, I believe he's colouring his own work. Yep. Oh yeah, it says so here, yeah, just him doing art, so yeah. And we've got Al Ewan, Rob Williams and Cy Spurrier, I presume, writing their own little bits of the finale for mm. their characters. Dreads in dire... Uh, They're all condition. in pretty bad uh, ways of it, to be honest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dirty Frank's floating in space. Dreads With a hole in his suit. Shot through the gut. Jack Point is battling it out with the weird head of the Church of Sympology, Mr Turner. Which I should, I guess, should point out as well. Just reminds me that the the three villains in this uh, story are called Backman, Turner, and Overdrive. Um, I don't know if you, if you like that reference to an old uh, middle of the road rock band. I didn't realise that, but that's cool. Yeah, there's a band. It's an American band called Backman Turner Overdrive. Um, yeah, very popular in the 70s, I believe. Um, but there you go. And then, of course, as I say, Carl Critchlow drawing the last episode. Backman's plan has been revealed. Dreads in dire straits. Uh, assassins are chasing or are going to the office of Chief Judge Hershey. Frank's trying to get on board the um, the floating lunar city. Sensitive Clegg's there. Uh, did I say Dirty Frank? Yeah, Dirty Frank's on board the city. Jack Point is there with his various associated characters, including Galen DeMarco, Misanthrope, his alien pet creature, Laugh, is it, I believe, at this yes, point? Yes, Laugh. Yeah. So it's laugh. all happening, and it all leads up, in actual fact, to a great riff on a um, famous... Judge Dread page that we've not long had on the prog because we are uh, on the podcast because we talked about Judgment Day and of course ah. um, and that one ended with Dread and Alpha striding out into the uh, the wastelands 
with the famous line, who the hell's going to mess with us? Also was used as a reference for Tour of Duty with the covers of Dread and Rico. It was indeed, yes. And of course we get a riff on it here with a uh, splash page of uh, Dread, and I believe that's Maitland, Hershey, Frank and Jack Point at the front saying, who in hell is going to mess with us? And Dirty Frank in the background says, Dirty Frank in a monologue. Yes, I believe that's what they used for the Hatchet cover as well. Oh, did they? Right, okay, good. Well, because there was obviously a Hatchet version of this in the Judge Dredd Mega Collection. I can't, I don't know offhand what numbers it uh, it was, but I do know that. Got it handy, so. Have you? Oh, right. It was volume 51, but I'm not sure what issue it came out as yes the weird double numbering but volume 51 but i believe it's out of sale or out of print now on the hatchet site unfortunately i believe so yes yeah but you've got both that's got one extra story in it by the way hasn't it yes is it backman's first appearance in judge dread i don't think it's her first appearance but it's certainly it's one of his sort of his previous clashes with backman um, about her use of possibly supervising uh, undercover ninja-style opera- uh, operatives without uh, the approval of the Hall of Justice. So, yeah, there's a, there's a notable clash between Backman and Dredd in that, which to, it's written by Al Ewing. It had art by Lee Gallagher, I believe. It was in the magazine. And it sort of, to a certain extent, uh, I guess is a prelude or at least a hint of mm. things to come in the story trifecta. Then we have the confrontation between Backland and the group and Jack Point doesn't seem to fare that well against her. Nor does Dirty Frank or Hershey. And Dread being Dread just refuses to die. Of course, yes. And then we have Very the reveal and kill of Judge Smiley saving the day. So here is the controversial figure of Judge Smiley, who we find... Here we are, major spoilers for Trifecta. Smiley has been hiding the walls of uh, the Hall of Justice for many years. He has been the figure that we've seen in a variety of flashback sequences. Mm. Um, He's been behind the scenes, manipulating the whole thing, placing coded hypnotic messages in the minds of... Jack, Point, uh, Dirty Frank, and even Dread himself. Um, Mm -hmm. They had a meeting, I believe, and it was wiped from all three memories. That's right, yes. And at various points in this story, they will remember the meeting with with, uh, Judge Smiley, the uh, bespectacled-wearing, tea-drinking, biscuit-dunking judge who's been hiding the walls outside the chief judge's office for so many years, apparently. A Since... watcher of the watcher type character. Yeah. Possibly dating back as far as Judge Cal, would you believe? Yes, uh, I believe that's in the pages early in the final story. And he's called Smiley, and he is... Uh, his visual appearance, at least here, is sort of seems to be a reference possibly to, uh, you know, the sort of Alec Guinness Smiley of... Um, Smiley's People and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy on the BBC back in the day. Mm. So there's a reference there. So I have to ask you, what did you think about this idea of having Smiley actually manipulating the the action as it goes along? You well, know? because I was still quite new to most of Trasendy, I didn't seem to have a major problem with it. I just liked it as part of the story, and I think the stories that have come since it have been really good as well, involving 
Judge Smiley. Yes, because this, of course, will lead on to things like the Small House, which is uh, not all that long ago in Dread History and is out now in a rather stretching... It was just published last month? Yeah, I think so. That's right. The paperback version with a lovely... So I was going to get a copy at Fort Bubble and get Rob to sign it, but... Yeah, I've got my copy in the other room unsigned, I'm afraid. But yes, I've been reading it just last night. So there it is. We've rattled, I've rattled you through it. Tell me, what what were your favourite parts of Trifecta? Are there any particular moments that stand out to you? Because it was a lot of my first introduction to most of these characters, other than Dredd and Hershey in like, his universe. Like, it made me fall in love with Dirty Frank, who is one of my favourite creations in 2018 now. Ah, right, yes. And a lot of his just interactions with just the weird world of Judge Dredd is quite hilarious. And I've gone back and bought the Low Life volumes to get more of it and we have done some low life on the podcast mm. in the past with alex frith yes yeah and uh, dirty frank is just fantastic isn't he whenever he's on on uh, whenever he's on page it's just wonderful stuff the first sketch i got was uh suited up dirty frank from disraeli oh right was it really yeah so tell me about that where did you meet him and uh when it was, was that? at the football it was probably that year or the next the year after right oh okay and I just said to him, like, I want Dirty Frank in a suit. He drew me a nice little Dirty Frank with a little speech bubble. I'll probably get a photo of it to send to you to me put on the page. Yeah, send me a picture and we'll put it up on the page when this episode comes out. Uh, yeah, Dirty Frank sketches from Disraeli. I mean, they're, they are a joy to behold. I have had a Dirty Frank from him myself in the past, uh, and they are just wonderful. So if you do get a chance to meet Matt at a convention... Firstly, he's a delightful chap, mm. and secondly, he does marvellous sketches. Mm. I normally buy one from him every time at a convention he is, because it's just so good. Yeah, perfect stuff. OK, um, and would that be, then, if I asked you your favourite of the four artists in this book? The thing is, they are all three artists I do love, but it's hard to pick sometimes between them all. But I would probably say just really just some of the acting he does with his characters is just hilarious and fantastic yeah i mean you know some of the the stuff he does and in particular the the reveal of lunar city and the takeoff of lunar city is fantastic but just the way dirty frank moves is perfect as well i would also like to talk about when henry flint draws the flashbacks of hershey at the judge child stories oh yeah tell us and then you have you have that panel of her young and then her now and you see like the life she's had since then how it's aged her it's quite powerful how Henry Flint is able to convey that of those two panels. Yes, that's marvellous stuff, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, again, I, I, I agree with you. It's very difficult to pick between these four artists, um, four of Tharg's best art droids, Flint, Ooh, Colby. Still regularly working for him. Yeah, and Critchlow. But I just, I just love a bit of Henry Flint. I mm. find myself, yeah, you know, drawn to his work. Uh, inexorably it's just fantastic but yeah great stuff okay so let's play for a minute the grail page game so if i give you the option of all the covers all the artwork that's included in this book and even the possibility of that holographic uh, henry flint cover what would you pick as a grail page or two i think i've known this since before i did the reread but it's a page after lunar city takes off and frank knows after getting his memory back, that he has to go after it. And so he just starts to run against the, 
the surface of loot of the moon and just leaps off those six panels are just ah they're perfect yes frank launching himself into space this is frank at this point wearing nothing more than um well, I guess you'd call them space wyfronts. <laughs> Already bitten by a shark. Yes, bitten by a shark, bleeding, uh, and having to launch himself into space by running up the side of a Not crater. Not even moving his arms either, just dangling them. Yeah, and he's wearing some sort of clear skin space suit that's semi-sentient. Mm, telling him the odds. Yes. Never tell Daddy Frank the odds. He finds him massively depressing. <laughs> it's great. So it's actually the page of him running that you'd have, is it? Yes, it's just it's so much energy and life into it. Perfect. Well, we will grant you that page in the Grail Page Gallery, and I will post it up on the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagram, and the forums, and so people can see what we're talking about. Any other the others or the covers that you'd like to have as well? Oh, there are some Disraeli covers I do really like, but I do quite like the lenticular cover we have. Yes. So maybe we could split it. <laughs> okay. We'll give you that as well. Um, I'll just mention mine very quickly. If you mm. go to the second Dread episode, which is actually the first episode of... Of the Cold Deck? The Cold Deck. Okay, and yes. And you look at the very first page of that. Ooh, the, uh, the guy, The guy lying on the floor, dying, with Dread and a med tech... Uh, or a med judge standing above him, and the cards scattered round the uh, the floor, and the guy explaining what the cold deck is. So, uh, have you found that page? Yeah, I've got, I've, I'm looking at it now. It's a beautiful Henry. Well, it's a Henry Flint page, of course. It's beautiful. It is okay. a beautiful Henry Flint page, and here's the uh, the shocking um, announcement. I actually own that page. <gasps> now, here's my problem with my grail page because I think Disraeli only works digital, so there is no way of me acquiring it at any. Wait. We'd have to get him to print you out a special one-off <laughs> print and sign it for you, but we'll get that for you virtually. So there you go. I was just saying that is a lovely page, and you're very lucky to own it. I am, yes, I know. I, I was at a convention. Henry piece one day. I was at a convention. Henry had a folder of stuff, and he was said, you know, they're all for sale. And I was flicking through it, and I saw that page, and I picked it out, and he actually said, oh, I didn't really mean to sell that one. I meant to keep that one. But he, he did let me have it. Uh, and so I think it's similar with uh, Dave Taylor on a page. It's a story he did with John Wagner. It's the last page of the story with him, with Dread and Beanie on it. Oh, right. And I was asking about it. I was like, hmm, probably won't sell it. And then I saw him at the con. And I went, this page? He went, all right then. And you got it? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Ah, splendid. So, great stuff, uh, Graham. Thank you so much for bringing up Trifecta on the pod, because it had to come eventually. Uh, I should say that the hardback you and I have got is both still available for nineteen ninety nine. Uh, That's a from, steal. Right, yes, from the 2008 cover. And you'd call that a lenticular cover, would you? I believe that's the official work term for it, because I believe DC and Marvel have done similar things back in the day. And, of course, what it does, for anybody who doesn't know, know, is it's a picture of Dread, and in his visor you can see either Dirty Frank or Jack Point reflected, and if you move the cover, it switches from one to the other, which, of course, is entirely appropriate for Trifecta. Is it reprinted in the back? Yes, it is. Right. 
So you get like both versions printed in the back of the book as well. Yeah, we also get some, we get the covers. We get some ads that were run with um, various I don't characters. I any of these. No, you know, they were, I think they, as it says, they, it, was, it was mentioned, I think possibly they were ads for the, uh, the iPad app, which oh, showed okay. the various characters as card royalty figures in a, in a deck of cards. We got some process work from, who have we got? We got Disraeli sort of character sketches and like the building layouts in his meticulous style as always. And then are these, yeah, Henry Flint thumbnail pages, some Simon Colby character designs, and then Carl Kitchlow. So some extra features at the back of the book. Um, and it's also, you can get that nine ninety-nine digitally from the 2008 store as well. So great stuff. Didn't they weren't going to once try to do a soft cover, but didn't? Yeah, I don't think there's ever been a soft cover of it, um, which is perhaps a shame. But it is a mm. lovely hardback, and it goes very nicely on your shelf. So uh, we certainly would recommend it. And, of course, it does contain one of the greatest reveals in the history of 2000. Like you said, the second biggest sudden... Oh! Yeah, exactly. He's just kicked through a door into another story. <laughs> Great. So, Graham, anything else you wanted to mention about Trifecta? Anything else you had on your notes? Uh, it's sort of one of the first epics I read, and it's sort of what made me love of what Trifecta can do, is sort of surprise you with its storytelling. Like, they're very three different tonally stories that just end up combining into a great crescendo. Yes, you wouldn't think that, you know, Rob Williams writing Dirty Frank, Cy Spurrier writing The Simpin Detective, and Al Ewing writing Dread, you could put those together. But actually, the way they handled it, the the complexity of it all, I think Cy Spurrier might have been the one with, um, with the, the yarn whirl on the wall and all the connections mm. to keep it all together. I believe that's what he said when I spoke to him at Thought Bubble, that, you know, he was the one who was sort of like mapping it all out and keeping them all uh, on target, as it were. But, yeah, who would have thought that you could put them together? And Shall we talk about the writers also? Isn't this Cyspoo's yeah, last work on Fasten AD? Yeah, I possibly. Right? I don't think he's been back since, has he? And I think it's soon Al Yoon was also off to the uh, the Americas. Yes, where he's now writing The Immortal Hulk, I guess, and several others, I think, at the same time. Mm. So, yeah, he's busy away on the other side of the pond. Rob Williams, of course, has been writing Suicide Squad and a variety of other bits and pieces unfollowed, but, but he has still, come back. Yes, yeah, so he's this still decided to become a regular on Fasnid. Yeah, absolutely. Thank goodness that he's still, uh, you know, cropping up to write The Small House... Uh, which has more of these characters. So, yeah, yeah great well, stuff. Well, has really taken a lot of the ideas from this story and just evolved on them in later editions. Indeed, yeah. Anything else at all you wanted to uh, to bring up about it? And I believe that's all, Eamon, to be honest. OK, let's turn to guest projects. And you were telling me before we started recording, you've got something possibly coming up in Zarjaz, is that right? Yes, I've just written like my first ever script for a comic of any kind and it was for Zajas I just came thought of this idea thought it'd be fun asked the editors if they were interested and they went yeah give us a script we'll have a look at it so I think it's got an artist on it and it's 
earliest might be july right july 20 so it's been yeah. accepted by uh, mr bolt 01 himself mm-hmm. and it will be in zarjaz next summer yes and have you written anything else at all for comics or attempted any of the sort of submissions uh, not yet but i have got another idea i'd like to do for zarjaz and i might try work on more independent like create your own type things maybe in the future but for now i'm just enjoying it while i do when i do it okay did you have any interest in the sort of uh, writers pitching competition at uh, thought bubble that they have for 2000 i have thought about but i always feel i'm not very good at doing twist stories yeah that's the thing i've always had that it's got to be a future shock with a twist hasn't it yeah and i've never felt i've been very strong at them especially in like a compact factor right I did go to both the writers' competition and the artists' competition this year at Thought Bubble 2019. Uh, I was dragged along to them both by... Uh, well, I shouldn't say dragged along. You know, I was sort of um, taken along to them by some other fans, and we had a great time listening to the pitches. Actually, I thought everybody did a fantastic job that I wouldn't be able to do, just to, you know, mm. to stand up there and pitch your work. Those that can do them are very... Um, Hats off to them. Absolutely, yes. It is a, an ordeal. You know, you've got two minutes to pitch your story mm. to Tharg and a bunch of other writers and or artists. Who were the uh, guest judges this so year? So I think for the writers panel, it was Matt Smith, uh, Leah Moore and Andy Diggle, Ooh. all people. So, you know, that was quite intense. Oh, Andy Diggle. Yeah. And then I think when the artist won again, it was Leah Moore, Mike Dowling... Uh, very good that Mike Dowling yeah absolutely Uh, and I've forgotten who the other artist was was on the panel Um, everybody's shouting at their uh, my phones now oh no and I was there and everything but yeah Um, (laughs) yes so it was I think possibly Matt Smith again was on there maybe that's what it was Mm. assistant to Farg of course yes exactly yes Splendid. So we look forward to that. That will be in Zarjaz next year, when uh, whenever that Hopefully, comes out. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, okay. And uh, you'll have to let us know if you write anything else that we can track down. I will. Graham, it's been splendid having you on. Thank you for picking Trifecta. I'm sorry we couldn't get to meet up at Thought Bubble this year, but hopefully at the next one. Hopefully the next one. Hopefully it'll be an easy way to get to there for me. Hey, it's, not, it's not too far away for you then, is it? Oh, it is now. When it was Leeds, it's quite a direct route, but now that it's in, oh, where is it? Har- Harrogate, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more awkward to get to now. Okay, Graham. So, great stuff. And thank you to everybody for listening to Mega City Book Club. Uh, as ever, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2080 forums, and we have a MySpace page. Or you can email me at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com get in touch if you'd like to pick a book to come on and talk about or if you think we've got something wrong uh, or if you just want to let me know what you think about the podcast and you can find all the links to all the socials and the emails on my webpage at megacitybookclub.com so that'll do us graham until next time on megacity book club when we're passing judgment on another fine 2008 book it's time for goodbyes so goodbye from me and a goodbye from him.